I'm going to do a short devotional here, folks. So would you do me a favor and open up to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I, I thought we would go somewhere completely different rather than trying to go back to Zechariah, although that is very powerful and very pleasing uh, to my heart uh, to hear it, to listen to it, to study it, to preach it. Uh, it is uh, something that uh, I reminded my son-in-law. He was in town last week. Uh, that three years ago, I asked him, so if you were to preach an Old Testament book, and he likes to preach out of Old Testament, and you're a New Testament guy, what would you preach? He said, Zechariah. So I uh, let him know this past week when we were together that uh, uh, I was about to finish Zechariah. But here we are in Romans, Romans chapter 1. I'm going to read the portion of Scripture, and I think you'll get the idea of why I want to use this portion of Scripture just to do a little devotion, and here it is in Romans chapter 1, verse 8. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the earth. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now, at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you, while you, among you, each of us, by the other's faith, both yours and mine. You see, as we gather together... We encourage one another by our faith and the, and the various things that are happening in our life. We can encourage the other one that, you know what, I, I stayed the course. I continued to live for Jesus Christ. I, I didn't give up in this situation. And we do that. And Paul starts off this, this letter here. First, I would thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. And I want you to know that's what we do. Uh, as we pray for you, we, we think about you. I mean, I, your faces come to mind. We pray for you. Those new people we don't know, of course, but we're praying for you now that you're here. Now that we get to know you, we want to do that. Um, when my wife had first gone into the hospital, many of you started to serve us. It was just absolutely incredible. You supplied us with meals. You supplied us with dozens and dozens of notes and letters and all of those kinds of things expressing your love to us. That's what we want to do for you is express our love to you. That's why we stay with the word of God. We, we don't venture off into other things. It's always the word of God. That's why we are meeting. It's because it's the word of God that needs to go out. Yeah, you can watch it on live stream, but I got to tell you, folks, there's no life in that you hear a message, you hear something, but the life comes when you see the preacher as he's giving you the word, and and it's encouragement. It's encouragement to your soul. Some of you ladies even spent time with my wife. Some of you got her out and started walking with her. You're building up her strength. What is Paul trying to say here? He's saying, I want to see this church. I want to be with this church. That's what he wanted to do. And, and if you know Paul, he says that about all the churches. I want to be with you. Even the Corinthian church, I want to be with you. Because he loves the church. 
And it says here in this verse 8, it says, Because your faith is now be, is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. And, and folks, that's what's happened here at Grace Community Church. Your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Your service to us does not go unnoticed, of course. Your return to Grace Community Church was incredible. Don and I were coming to church because at that time there was nobody here. And so we could sit out there in the 3,000-person auditorium and there'd be nobody around. But she has an autoimmune issue. Then tens were coming back. And then hundreds of you came back. Thousands. You started the church. You brought it back. You should all go to jail. (laughs) Folks, it was just heartwarming. You folks love the word of God. You love the fellowship of the saints. You know what it's about. We're not perfect, folks. But that's what you enjoy. And that's what you want. And that's what you gravitate toward. And you did that. The elders of Grace Church, the pastors of Grace Church, didn't say, come back to church. No, you came back to church. You probably heard stories of Bill and Donna sitting out there. And then who else sitting out there? And you say, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And you did. And he kept coming back. We could only attend on and I until April and May. And, and before you knew it, there's 2,000 people in the auditorium. It's much, much too crowded for her sensitivity. You're not only known here in this area. By the way, we went to my wife's rheumatologist because of something that was going on. She asked if she could be with other people, and he said, well, yeah, I guess so. And then she said, well, my husband is a pastor at Grace Church. She said, no. <laughs> How does he know John MacArthur? How does he know Grace Community Church? Because he watches the news, and he's an intelligent man, and he says, no, there's too many people there. You can't do that. Folks, that's why we continue to do Zoom, because there are people in our fellowship who are ill, who need to stay away from others just in case. The rest of you, if you get it, you've got 99.9% chance of survival. It's pretty good in my book. We came back, and the church started, and Paul is rejoicing that he can see this church, and we can see this church, and we can enjoy this church. So internationally, you're known. Uh, I know they said 100,000 people, but I heard up to 300,000 people are watching live stream, Facebook, other social media things just to catch the message of our pastor. Um, I happen to oversee the prayer room. The people there are inundated with people after the service wanting to talk about spiritual matters. That is so wonderful. God is blessing our church in incredible ways. I oversee the counseling department. I've got stacks of people coming forward who want to get counseling. And then I read, well, how long have you been coming to Grace Church? One month, three, three messages, two messages. And where are they coming from? They're coming from the House of Light. I wonder what kind of church that is. I don't know. 
But we're going to serve them if we can. We want them to hear the gospel. We want to see that they would come to know Jesus Christ. Our church is known. It's going out there. Your faith is being proclaimed throughout the world. And that's what's happening at Grace Community Church. Paul writes this about the church in Rome, and it's a very popular, very well-known church in Rome. And, and even those days, things got around. And they would hear things, and they would know things. And, and i got to tell you, people are knowing about Grace Church, not just because you're open. Not just because people are in attendance. Or if we could say that you're Protestants, or Protestants, okay? It's not the only reason. It's because you want to hear the Word of God, and they hear that teaching, and they are attracted to it. The people of God will always be attracted to the word of God. And that's what our hope would be, is that more and more would come back. Paul goes on and he says, Because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the world, for God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Um, I got to tell you, you're, you're being told about in many, many different parts of the world. We heard about Croatia here. When Ninod, as is a pastor of uh, Todd's church out there, and I've met Ninod many, many times. He actually was in seminary for a year here. They're praying for us. They're praying for you throughout the world because of what we're doing. And you know what? You weren't told to do it. You did it anyway. You wanted to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Always in my prayers, making mention, making requests, if perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. I really can't put myself in that kind of category of Paul. But for us to be together, I mean, this morning, I'd love to give you all a hug. That's what this day should be, is us giving each other a hug. A hug of fellowship, of love and care for one another. Um, it, it doesn't cease. You know, we, we mentioned Bloomberg, we mentioned Cat and Camps uh, Short this morning to pray for. But there are so many others even that we need to continue to pray for. And some of you. How many here lost jobs? Raise your hand if you lost a job because of this COVID thing. Yeah. We need to pray for them. Pray that they would get a job. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be sensitive for those who are around us. And, and that means being sensitive to all of the various ways that they are responding to this issue. Don't condemn your brother. Don't condemn your sister for the ways they're handling this. You don't know what's going on in their heart and their life and their medical conditions and all of those kinds of things. You don't know what they have, kind of things that they have to sign for the job that they are in. Somebody was telling me that they cannot come to church because they signed something for their job. That that tells them that they can't be in this kind of a crowd. To a degree, some of us are being controlled in other ways. So be sensitive to them. That would be my prayer for you. Paul goes on in verse 12 there. He says, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you. Folks, we don't know how much more time we have together, do we? 
I mean, the Lord can return tomorrow. Uh, I'm ready. I mean, let's go, okay? But it could be a while. It could be that something happens and we cannot get together. We don't know any of these things, folks. I think what this particular pandemic has taught us that this country can be changed in a snap of a finger. That's all it would take. Wouldn't take much. Wouldn't take much. Make sure that you and the Lord are on the right wavelength. Make sure that you and the Lord are connected. Make sure that you are spending time with the Lord. It's not just during the pandemic, but when the pandemic is all over and you have plenty of time and you're, and you're going to work, you're spending time with the Lord. I wanted, I wanted to say that this week my grandkids were in town. They came in from Virginia. Okay, we haven't seen them since Christmas. We haven't had vacation, okay? All of those kinds of things. And, and that week was spent with waking up in the morning to kids yelling and screaming and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know what? You may uh, put the word away for a little while. Well, when they got in the airplane, came home and started reading the word. I needed to catch up. I needed to make sure that I am filled with God's word. Somebody once said to me, but Bill, you get paid to do that. And I said, well, what if I gave you $1,000 a day? Would you read the Bible? He said, yeah. I said, it's priceless. You should read it anyway, all the time. So don't give up on that. That's what we have for it. It's not just this fellowship. It's not just this fellowship group, folks, but it's this church and what this church stands for, the word of the living God. Let me close. Fathers, we have gotten together today for the first time in seven months. Just wanted to encourage hearts, Lord, that they need to be pointed towards the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, as uh, Carl and I are going to answer some questions right now, Lord, we pray that you would use it in each person's life, that they would be blessed, that they would grow, that they would be encouraged that they would see that their church truly does care for them. In your name, amen. We thought a good time of a Q&A would be appropriate at this point. Um, just to let you know, your elders have been meeting every single Thursday night uh, because we just had lots and lots to talk about, lots and lots to pray for. Uh, last Thursday, it was decided that we would meet every other week now. Uh, that... Um, uh, we can start to do those kinds of things. So pray for your elders as they meet. Uh, these are all private meetings. We're not having any, yeah. you know. Yeah, no open session no open at this sessions. point. So maybe um, next year, uh, which isn't really far away when you think about it, we'll get back to that. But it's been pretty intense, actually. Yeah, 2020 went by pretty quick. Yeah, it sure did. Uh, an intense time, much to make decisions about. Um, and, and as some of you know, some of those decisions were logistical things, and some of those decisions were heartbreaking things because of what happened with um, you know us internally and one of our fellow elders. So uh, it's been an intense time. And on top of that, the issues of COVID and the effects of it. And um, I'm fascinated still by... Um, God's sovereign hand. Think about that for a moment. 
Yeah, how God, you will hear, I mean, probably, maybe even for the rest of your life, you'll hear stories of how God used this time for his glory. It's just amazing to me uh, what the Lord has been doing and will continue to do. And as long as we can have that stance in our own heart, uh, like the psalmist says, 103.19, God's sovereignty rules over all. So if God is sovereign, he is sovereign in any and every circumstance. And what we need to do is just trust in that and really sit back and see it unfold. Yeah. But questions that you may have that we can answer for you. Yes. First, let me just thank you and Pastor Bill for your um, service. And you're, on two levels, you're, you're meeting every Thursday. You've been so intensely working to keep this church. And we're so grateful for that. I, um, I'm also grateful that this time has revealed your faith so that we can see it, we can, we can know it, and just grateful for that. So, so thank you. And my question is, how can we pray for you to uphold you? And maybe personal prayer requests or, or pastoring prayer requests um, that we can offer to help sustain you. I think the general prayer for all of the elders is continued faithfulness. Um, you know, we were shaken up, of course, in these last few uh, weeks. Uh, but uh, we need to be reminded. First uh, Timothy five twenty, um, I think, is a great reminder for all of us. You know, when I was going through seminary, I I, I kept uh, my customers because I was still going out and seeing my customers. They'd say, "Well, you're going to become one of them." And they're talking about these pastors who had failed morally, one after another, after another. And I said, "No, that's the greatest." Example not to do those things, not to do those things. It brings a, um, a rebuff against Christ, and, and, and it's just a complete failure in your ministry. So that's something to just keep in mind. For all of us, your testimony is important with people that you live with, people that you love, people that know you. And uh, you know they, they can always say, is that what a Christian does? Is that what a Christian does? And so keep that in mind. Um, personally, um, we can still pray for my wife. Tomorrow we have a very big day at the doctor. So we'll, we'll get some results tomorrow. Yeah, on a personal level, I think um, for me, you know, I've been traveling a bit more because of responsibilities. Uh, uh, some of you don't know. Maybe, I think I may have mentioned in one of my letters that I shifted less with the seminary and back to the church. When I first came was church, then I was asked to take up some roles at the seminary, and I was more there while still doing both, but I shifted back to the church, which is good. Um, you know, I'm a church man. I love the seminary aspects of it, but my heart is over here. Um, and so, but with that, it's been more travel. Uh, and so just pray for me in that. I'd appreciate it. And as well, let me share some good news that you may not have known. You know, our two, uh, our five kids, the girls are the bookends, the boys in the middle, Joseph and Jordan, uh, are the older ones, the Marines. And um, one of them um, was married in May, um, Joseph. And 
And then we got word a couple of months ago uh, that there's another Hargrove on the way. <laughs> so, oh, thank you, Grandpa. Yeah, no. And we waited to tell because you know, kind of wait for that period. And uh, and uh, and my daughter-in-law, she even put something out on Facebook, which was so cute, like a, and it was like these little pajamas, and I love it. And she said, my parents didn't practice social distancing. <laughs> So I'm waiting to see the little, I don't know if it's a girl or boy in that little outfit, right? So. Don't, don't have something explode in a firestorm no, or no. anything like that. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll do it all electronically. <laughs> it's a boy, it's a girl. No fireworks needed. All right. So, what, March next year. So, um, and even with that, they had. Because of COVID, they had this beautiful venue picked out. We had this great plan, and the Lord says no. But it was still beautiful, small ceremony in the backyard of a, a relative in Orange County, and, and it didn't matter to them. So they were just as happy if it was wherever it would have been. So I appreciate that. Uh, praise. That's a praise report. Hold on. Mike's yeah, Mike, on the way. Mike is, Mike is here. Mike so we can- uh, a member of the church, let's say they get um, disciplined because of not, you know, whatever. They get disciplined out of the congregation. They repent. They come back. Um, are, can they serve in the church after they've, you know, left the church but disciplined out of the church and they return? Yeah, that's a good question. Very good question. Yeah, I think um, what is the objective of, quote, church discipline? I think people confuse that sometimes. The objective ultimately is restoration. So how can it be restoration? You've just excommunicated someone because we want them, in, in one sense, not we, the Lord wants them to taste, if you will, the world. Even Paul, um, he talked about putting him out so that his... Uh, his flesh might be destroyed and his spirit be saved. But also, if you go to Galatians chapter 6, we're supposed to restore someone, restore them with the spirit of gentleness, it tells us. Um, now, based on what they have done, um, a pastor, say for instance, that has failed, uh, and based, and if he's had to be excommunicated, it is highly unlikely. Um, that he is going to be able to serve again in that role because it's gotten to that point. If it has been some sort of sin that's disqualifying. Yeah. When um, it comes to pastor, I think it's a little bit different. It's different. Going but, back into that kind of yeah. ministry. Could he serve at the donut table? So, oh, sure. Like that? Go sure. No, sure, which is valuable. Hey. <laughs> and some of you took advantage hey, of it this morning. I, I, all of you enjoy it, so you know, no, don't be but not to pastor, but go and be a faithful member in a church somewhere. Yeah. Uh, use your giftedness in a church somewhere, but not to be in the role of an elder or a pastor again. That's what that person should do. But if, a, if it's, quote, a layman who's been excommunicated, they repent, you restore them, you work with them, sure, they can serve again. Based on the sin determines whether or not if they will be in a ministry that's in leadership and they're up front and they're visible. So I think you ha- it has to be a case-by-case 
when it comes to the layman. I think you'd be surprised that uh, of the people that even been church disciplined from grace, that some have come back, okay? And not only have they come back, but they're now serving as a deacon or deaconess. Sure. So that can happen. Yeah. Um, uh, something that w- what the elders do is when somebody does want to repent, we have them come before all the elders and uh, to uh, talk to us about sure. the things in their sin and those kinds of things. And so it's uh, very thorough in making sure that they can come back and then serving and then maybe even ask him to be the deacon or deaconess. Yeah, and I think all of us, whenever you think about that situation, if you ever hear, are you there when you're hearing uh, the steps of church discipline, that should always be a sober moment for all of us. We agree? Like, that could be me. I've had many a guest come up to me and say, you guys are serious. Yeah. Well, that's what was necessary to say it. We're serious. Um, And... I think for many people it was they understood that our standard is consistent. And that's why we had to make that announcement. Uh, so and it should be sober. But here's the other thing. It should also be a moment, oh, how God is so gracious and patient too. Um, and then even with his timing, that it would come out at the time that it did. That's an example of God's hand of providence, yeah, which is... Mysterious in some ways. All right, excellent. Question. Uh, a question over here, I think. Okay. Hey, hey, Josh, what what happened to you just recently? Tell Joshua, us, Josh. Hold on to that. Hold on to oh, the mic. Come on up, Josh. Come on, Josh. Josh tell come us here. what happened. Tell no, this direction. Uh-huh. Obey uh, your elders. Obey your elders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we had a little little baby girl um, last, oh. last Saturday. Right. Olivia Joy. Olivia, Olivia Joy is and right. did you see, I put the picture on our Facebook. She is, She's a you better get your. She looks like mom. Thank goodness. <laughs> thank, thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. She's a cutie pie. She is. She is. You agree? I do. I do. She's, she's very cute. Don't uh, spoil her though, Josh. Don't, yeah, don't spoil, don't no, spoil no her. Spoiler. It's already happening. <laughs> yeah. You have to get ready when those guys Gen- come Jennifer? to the door. Um, and why are you here, young man? <laughs> what are the plans for the church services? Uh, are there any plans, like for two services, or is there anything being discussed? That's a very good question. More than likely, okay. Yeah. I want to put it that way. We have not made a decision, and frankly, we make a decision one Thursday, and the next Thursday it, it changes. Be so. I want you to know it's it's a very fluid situation. But probably in January, we'll start with the two services. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll go through this. We're walking right through it. One thing about, uh, there's a certain element where Pastor John likes the, there's a certain energy that comes with the one service. Um, so I can appreciate that from him. And, and also, um, energy-wise, it takes a lot to, it's still in my mind, having you know, I, before coming back to Grace Church, I was 21 years in a senior role. And um, the energy it takes, I remember when we first started, I did Sunday school, the main service, and then the evening. Um, 
And by the end of the day, I was, Joanna would say to me, she didn't have, she had no expectations of me emotionally uh, in the evening. And she was fair about it. Um, although I tried to meet some expectations, but they were pretty low because it takes a lot out of you. And f- the years that he did two services and evening at the level that he did it um, for someone that had done it is still to me a wonder. Um, and now at 81, he's still loving it and going strong. But I think the one service in one sense helps him too. And, and some of us even remember Wednesday evenings. when he Yeah, think preach. about it. That's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, and probably with that was Saturday. Th- I wasn't around then, but doing the Saturday theology classes. Yeah, pretty amazing. So that's where we are now. We'll see how it goes. Super. What's your next question? Any question? Yeah. How about a pra- you, praise Georgie. too? Praise the Lord. If there's something you want to share with us, what God has taught you, let me put that out. What has God taught you during these six months or how he's ministered to you? We want to hear that as well. Well, the choir's been taught to be patient and be thankful in all things, but we keep wondering when we're going to get the go-ahead to even have rehearsals. Do you guys discuss anything to do with the choir or the music department? We, uh, we, we've uh, kept Clayton down, no. <laughs> um, from my understanding, okay, Christmas concerts will, will probably not happen. Yeah. And, and I, I hear that, and you know what? My heart says the same thing, but to open up the church yeah. to unbelievers, to people in the neighborhood, it, yeah. you're, you're asking for trouble, at least from my point of view. Yeah. Okay. The other elders may be able to convince me different, but that's my no, point of view. I think you're just taking your finger and poking it in their eye. Yeah. Just, just, I'm going to take a, I want to take a little bit of an opportunity. <laughs> I, I'm going to take a little bit of an opportunity. Folks, our neighbors are not all happy with us. Okay. Our neighbors are not all happy with us. Be as pleasant, as, as God-fearing and loving as you possibly can in the neighborhood. If you have a mask and you want to put it on while you're walking past their house, please do that if you want to. That's up to you. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Don't park in their driveway. They will have Ouch. you towed. Okay? Just be kind. I, we, we have plenty of parking. We, we have our, our Jewish synagogue down here that's opened up, okay? We have the west lot, the north lot. We have the back here. We're going to keep the tent at least for October. We may keep it November. We don't know yet. So just be kind to those people um, as, as much as you possibly can. Uh, I don't mean bring your lawnmower and cut their lawn, but just, you know, if you can, be kind hey, to them. Why not? Let me, speaking of the parking at the synagogue, think about this in COVID. Um, I know since I've returned, now it's been, what is it, seven years? Oh, my. Wow. Seven years. Praying about, um, because the Spanish ministry was growing, we needed more space, and we had talked to the dear people at the synagogue. Uh, We'll help you find a location. We'd like to buy it, a long-term lease. No, no, no. And those are years even before I return, maybe 15 years of hoping, thinking somehow. What about parking space? No, not interested. Um, and then the Lord says what? He allows what to happen. You know it. And the world is shut down in one sense. Uh, they go through some difficulties there. 
they have right now, I understanding about five families left at the synagogue. Five families. Um, they approached us, first of all, saying, we like your stand, that you're fighting for your right to meet. Wow, amazing. And then when the city, with this sort of almost juvenile uh, tactic to try to take away our 45-year lease and our parking spots, they said, that's horrible that they did that to you. How about use our parking spot? So it's 100 and we lost 220, but we gained 150 from them. And then to top it off, how about using our facility as well? Now, you heard it, Pastor John mentioned it, but think about that. That doesn't happen unless what else happens. God uses it for what? All, for good. All things work together. They would, we would not have that conversation unless these other things occurred. That's the beauty of trusting in a sovereign God. It does. It is. And so now even recently someone said one of the gentlemen wants to visit church on Sunday. So can you imagine that? Um, so here we are. So the Lord is good. Amen? Yeah, he is. Yes. Todd. Yes. Okay. Uh, don't ask it in Croatian. Uh, no, I'm not going to. And, I, you know, I don't live in the United States of America, and uh, I know some things that are going on in Europe. What do the elders say? I hope this is not a sensitive question. What do the elders say? Are you principalizing your response? Is this a localized response in Los Angeles? What do you say to Germany, yeah. to other nations, to other cities? Does the elders have a response in that regard? Yeah, that's an excellent question because it, it's an yeah. No, <laughs> I had uh, three trips to Europe this year and I got to do none, and yeah. so I don't know what's going on in Europe. But um, sure, yeah, and I, I think I know what you're asking because what happened for the elders? We some may think, uh, well, we came up with this document. Um, it is. God, not Caesar. Christ, not Caesar. And it was simply, we had one elder session, we wrote it, we were convinced of it, and we put it out. That's not the case. We had to wrestle through that Yes. as an elder board. Uh, there were other edits that took place. There were engaging conversations that took place. That very question you're asking, how do we not make what we're writing an issue for the United States only, and then even just for California, because what about our brothers and sisters elsewhere? And that's why what's undergirded by it is simply the idea of Christ's authority in the church and the elders' authority in the local church to make that decision. Someone called me right after the document came out. It may have happened with Bill as well, people from other countries. What should we do? And I tell them this. What does the document say? First, Christ is the authority and the elders in the local church. Make your decision as a group of local elders. But make sure you're making that decision in view of Scripture. To simply say, grace did it, therefore we must. Well, wait a minute. Now we're you're almost reversing the principle now. Because the principle is not because grace does it. It's because Christ has an authority. If that's not the best decision for where you are, um, the, the restrictions aren't really inhibiting your worship. Uh, it doesn't pose a problem to you. Make sure your congregation knows we're making our decision to live with these limitations, not because the government has said it, because we, we deem it to be reasonable for us. 
Okay? And for, we've made this decision. And we've made it in view of Christ's authority over the church. And I think we're giving a line of what was supposed to be of how horrific this thing was supposed to be. And it didn't sure. turn out. And so um, why, why are we doing all of this? Destroying an economy? Destroying fellowship. I mean, basically, that's what was happening and those kinds of things. So, um, uh, Yeah, and, and of course, we, the other factor is we do have a very clear constitutional right to me. So then others are saying, wait a minute, we surely don't have that. Or it's not written as clearly. Um, so how do we respond? But you still respond to the idea that there's a divine authority in the church. Mm-hmm. And like Bill is, is communicating, initially we said, okay, we won't meet. Because we're, th- we're thinking, let's work with the government. No one was sure about what was going to happen. You remember uh, when we were told by the servant... Um, Surgeon General, this is going to be America's um, Pearl Harbor. So uh, Americans were gearing up for it, and it never happened. Then you heard language, it's going to be America's D-Day. Well, then it never happened. And here we are, and so we said that's not reasonable. Say, for instance, uh, one example might be, since I mentioned D-Day, Pearl Harbor, during uh, World War II, um, on both coasts, actually, um, because there was a blackout in businesses, and it would also occur in churches uh, to not put on the lights. Why would you not have on lights? Someone know a bit of history? Why would you not have the lights on? Bombs and also U-boats. U-boats, because what was happening um, in the transatlantic um, <coughs> commerce and also supplying munitions to Europe, so much was leaving from our coast. For supplies, so you have lights on. Guess what? I'm a U-boat that helps me determine who's leaving, coming, and going. So churches along those coastlines said, "We'll cooperate. We won't do that." That was reasonable, and it was real. Everybody knew that was real. So we initially were, if you will, okay, this is reasonable. But we got to the point you realize this is not real. Yeah. My my question is along those lines. I'm wondering. If you can explain when other churches say to us, well, your church is in a lawsuit and that's why they can be open right now because they're already fighting for the constitutional right and they don't feel like they have that support. Is that does that have anything to do with why we can be open and they can't? Well, technically it is. Um, But other churches can make their decision to do the same. And some some churches have, Carl. Yeah. We, We know of somebody who never shut down. That's right. Yeah. They never shut down. They were an ethnic church, Chinese speaking only, and they kept going because if those folks didn't have church and being able to speak to their brothers and sisters, they had nobody to speak to. Are they in a lawsuit? They're in, no, they are not. They don't even know they're open. <laughs> okay. I have a friend, okay, who has a church who shut down for one week and he said, this is not necessary. My particular county of where I live had four cases. So yeah. they opened up. Sure. And they didn't tell anybody. They just go ahead and open it, and church is running like church. Yeah, which for us is different. Yeah. Yeah, a bit different, right? Yeah, just a bit. This, this fellow called John MacArthur and 5,000 people here. Yeah, it's a bit different. All right. Any other question? Maybe I want to perhaps... The Lord has taught me this during this time. Maybe, what might it be if you yeah. fill in the blank? 
But if you have a question, that's fine too. Yes. So what's the largest need of our church that's been identified? I mean, we've heard crimes have gone up. Um, people haven't been getting treatment. What have people been asking the church for prayer about specifically? Like the, big, the biggest need in the church that's been identified? Um, I think it's a broad spectrum. Yeah. I don't think there's a specific thing. Because we have folks who haven't been solidly grounded in the word of God, they're coming forward and they have multitude of different kinds of things. You know, they're hearing voices. They got this going on. They've got that going on. They, they're lonely. They're scared. There's anxiety. There's all kinds of things like that. Um, so it's getting them grounded in the word of God, having them listen to good messages, having them to read the scripture, that kind of thing. You could be praying for those kinds of folks because they're coming from all over the place. And they're also, my my assistant who takes the phone calls uh, saying, I, I can't believe how many of these wild phone calls are coming in. And I said, this is good training for you. Yeah. Because those are your people <laughs> that are going to be in your church when you go out there. And so that's what they're dealing with is those kinds of things that are, are constantly going on. And people are just scared. And so I, I think that would probably be the biggest yeah. The biggest thing. Yeah, I would say so. Just anxieties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And helping people through that would be it. Yeah. Well, I just realized it, it's almost... Well, who too stole that time? I have one more question over here. Sure. Okay, and then we can... Uh... Hello, my name is Alan. I don't really have a question. I just want to say that... Uh... Can you stand up, Alan, so they yeah. can see you over there? So I just want to say Thanks. that um, regardless of uh, what, what what's going on, you know, I just believe that, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a real tragic, you know, it's a pandemic, whatever you want to call it. But I just believe that uh, it's just the calling of Christ, you know? to call you back to where you need to be. Maybe you left one time in your life. Maybe maybe you kind of just, like, fell off for some reason. You stopped believing or something happened in your life. You lost somebody and just kind of want to blame. You know, it's kind of, I just believe it's a calling back to to Christ, you know, just to, like, like he said, restoration. Sure. You know, it's just to bring us all back together and, like, Thank God for Zoom for those that can't be here or, you know, that are ill or, you know, just sick in bed or can't move, you know. But uh, it's all about fellowship, you know, coming and seeing other people here and uh, seeing other people that are true to what they believe in. And it's all about showing up and uh, making a difference. No, you're right. And this is uh, a fellowship is sweet, isn't it? Amen. And and I think here is a, a thought. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, there's some things that you can take for granted, but then once you lose it, you see how precious it is, don't you? Isn't it how it works sometimes? You think about it. So we could meet, and we can meet, and we can come on Wednesday, and we have um, Every Woman's Grace, and we have Women Walking Wisely, and we have a men's ministry, and then all of a sudden it's gone. And my mind initially went to, one of my first thoughts personally was, this is good for the Western church. This is good for the Western church. Because we have brothers and sisters around the world. Um, So, uh, can someone in North Korea do what we're doing right now in the way that we're doing it? No. 
I was just reading Voice of the Martyrs. I, we get there monthly, and they featured persecution in, in Nepal. And they don't have these liberties. Um, then there's real persecution. And so we should appreciate what we have to come together with your brothers and sisters and enjoy something that's unique that we as the body of Christ can encourage one another and stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And so in the moving ahead, and here's a thought, maybe we would be a bit more conscientious about, hmm, do I come Sunday, do I not? You know, hey, Mm. I'll just come next week. I mean, the fair weather, Christian? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was uh, on the phone with somebody from Israel this week, and uh, she's a pastor's wife there in Israel, and they're shut down completely, completely for three weeks. They've been shut down, they've opened up, then they are now shut down again. And she said the impact on their fellowship is quite impactful because they they can't get together. These are the only Christians that are in that area. And um, they want to be together. And she does uh, counseling there for her husband in that ministry for the ladies. And um, it's, it does impact when you cannot get together. When we were not, when we first uh, started this whole thing, um, I had some people who wouldn't want to come up to my office. That's fine. We can meet down on a patio. We got, we've got that luxury. They don't have that in, in, in uh, Israel. So just remember that. Let me close in prayer. Or, Carl, why don't you close in prayer? Yeah.